DeAndre Swift's strong start at camp and clarity in the Giants wide receiver core on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone, welcome to Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic. It is Wednesday, August 19th, it's hump day. We are getting ready for the start of the NFL season every single day on this show with the news that happened the previous day, getting you set for all your drafts that you surely have to come over the next few weeks. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, what's going on? Hey, I'm excited that we're cruising through another week. Time is flying now that sports are back. I'm into a routine now. I'm ready. I'm ready for things to progress to the point where we actually have some games to talk about. At least we've been dealing with padded practices this week. We're getting some interesting reports and uh, the flow of news, as we said for a few days, it's here, and I'm I'm happy for it. It is here. It is mostly good news, and when I say good news, I mean, at least to this point, not a ton of injuries. We know that that is unavoidable in a sport like football, but thus far we have not had to talk about too many of those. Today we're going to hit on the Lions' backfield, the New York Giants' wide receivers, Ben Roethlisberger's elbow, and potentially more snaps for Mark Andrews this season. Let's start in that Lions' backfield, our own Nick Baumgartner, reporting that DeAndre Swift was impressing as a wide receiver in, tra- in training camp in practice on Tuesday. At the same time, on Johnson with a brace on his right knee. Of course, he tore the meniscus in his right knee last season. If there were any sort of injury to on Johnson, uh, DeAndre Swift would, I think, vault up draft boards, and he's already very high. We're already talking about a guy who's getting selected in the mid-30s by ADP, but this is a guy who could, with an extra workload, become a very, very interesting player this season. Yeah, and I think you and I both like this Lions offense quite a bit because of what Matthew Stafford was doing in the first half of the season before getting hurt. Of course, they've got playmakers at wide receiver. I think they've got some significant questions defensively that could make them pretty shootout-prone week-to-week as well. So anything that opens up that third down roll to go with the early down work for DeAndre Swift is going to drive up the price. Maybe a guy that would creep up into the third round if on Johnson were to deal with some kind of injury that kept him off the field for the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, I, I love the talent here. We've talked about Georgia as running back you in recent years, but the key here is that the Lions targeted running backs about 90 times last year. If you add it all up, it was a kind of a mixed bag in terms of the talent they had to use because of that carry on Johnson injury. But uh, JD McKissick caught 34 balls. Ty Johnson caught 24 carry on Johnson caught 10. Uh, So you start looking at how they handle the backs like 40 to 50 catches for Swift and then maybe 20 for someone else carry on Johnson or whatever other third down back they might have available. If Johnson's unavailable seems kind of like what they would do. Right. So that's a pretty good floor. Like if you look at, DeAndre Swift is a 40 to 50 catch guy from the jump and you expect him to get the early down work as well. I think he's got a shot at like 1400 yards from scrimmage as a rookie, which is really nice for a guy that you're going to get in the fifth round of most drafts. Yeah, I think that's totally in play as well. We've talked about him quite a bit on this show and I think we are in agreement that at cost, he is both of our favorite rookie running back to target this season. Not saying he's going to outperform Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but there obviously is a big difference in cost with those two guys, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers. There's a lot of rookie running backs to be excited about this year, but DeAndre Swift is our favorite. And of course, every single thing that comes out of training camp every year needs to be taken with at least a little bit of arm's distance 
This year, I think that's truer than ever. We're not going to see any preseason games. What reporters are able to see is limited uh, compared with what it is in typical seasons, but still a nice start to training camp for DeAndre Swift. We have a little bit of quarterback news coming from our beat reporters. First, our Josh Tolentino, who recently moved over to the Miami Dolphins beat, says that just with the way that Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa are being used early on in practice, it seems clear that that Fitzpatrick will be the starter for this team in week one would still bet on Tua eventually getting two star games this season but for the time being looks like Fitz will get that week one start count on him being the starter for at least the first few weeks of the season that week one start coming against the Patriots in New England uh, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles are alternating as the starter every single day in Bears camp so one day it'll be Mitch working with the ones first the next day it will be Nick Foles working with the ones. It's going to be hard for these two guys to get a rhythm, but the Bears want this to be a true competition. That's really the only way that they can do it. Jarvis Landry working in 11s uh, on Friday, or excuse me, on Tuesday's practice. I'm already ready for the weekend DVR. On Tuesday's <laughs> practice, so hip surgery in February, that seems like it is something that he doesn't have to worry about too much. Go ahead, fire up Jarvis Landry in your remaining drafts. And then finally, Preston Williams practicing without restrictions. We talked last week about how the Dolphins were feeling optimistic about his week one availability. No restrictions after tearing his ACL last year. That is certainly great news for this Dolphins offense. We also have a little bit more wide receiver news this with the New York Giants, we have a little bit of clarity in how these guys are going to be used. No doubt about it coming into this season that Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, those are the top three guys. But Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, kind of have overlapping duplicative skill sets. Both guys who do their best work or who do good work out of the slot. So far in Giants practice, you've seen, of course, Slayton out wide, along with Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, working out of the slot. To me, DBR, there are two ways to read this. Uh, the good for Golden Tate is that he does his best work out of the slot. So you want him doing that. He can line up outside the numbers, but he does his most damage when he is out of the slot getting mismatches. You love to see him in that role. So that is good. The bad is that you would figure in two wide receiver sets, that means we're going to see more Sterling Shepard and less Golden Tate. I'm not sure this moves the needle in how I think about these guys, but it is nice to have that clarity in that these are how they're going to be used this season. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both capable of playing both spots, so that certainly gives the Giants some extra flexibility. But I, I think with Golden Tate, he's one of the more underpriced veteran volume receivers out there. A lot of the guys that you think about as just prototypical slot receivers, uh, they're more like 40 to 50 catch guys. The Cole Beasleys, the Adam Humphreys, like those guys are, are fine as temporary fill-ins in most leagues. But Golden Tate can make more big plays than those guys. He's still got that big playability. It's an offense that I think I like quite a bit at this point. I think there's not a lot of pressure on Tate because of the talent around him, right? I think this is an offense that creates a lot of mismatches. Evan Ingram is a nightmare on his own as a kind of a fake tight end, more of a receiver than a tight end. Sterling Shepard, I think, can be a legitimate number one. Darius Slayton is good enough to draw some attention. And, of course, you got to deal with Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield. So I think maybe it's because he's a little bit of like a forgotten guy in this offense, but the way Golden Tate was being used down the stretch last season, it seemed like he had that rapport with Daniel Jones. Still pretty efficient on a per-target basis last season at 8 yards per target. 10 catches of 20-plus yards on the 49 passes he pulled in over 11 games. 
I think Golden Tate ticks a lot of boxes. A great like wide receiver four, wide receiver five, who you're going to find in your lineup pretty regularly over this course of the season. Totally with you on Golden Tate. Here's just a, an uncomprehensive list of some people who are going ahead of him by ADP. Deshaun Jackson, Sammy Watkins, Brashad Perriman, Preston Williams, Antonio Gibson, Justin Jefferson. That's just at the wide receiver position. You could also throw guys like Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Johnny Smith into that mix as well. And Golden Tate, I mean, this guy just doesn't really ever get the respect he deserves. That was about the quietest 49 catch, 676 yard, six touchdown season in 11 games that you are ever going to see. I mean, no one was talking about Golden Tate. And of course, some of that had to do with the fact that Sterling Shepard missed six games, Evan Ingram missed time due to injury. There were some guys not around who we have to assume are going to be around this season. But Golden Tate delivered. That's really all you can ask of a guy is that he makes the most of the opportunities that are presented to him. Golden Tate definitely did that last season. And he is my favorite guy to go after in this Giants passing game. And again, it's because of the price. You've got Sterling Shepard with an ADP of 124.81. You've got Darius Slayton living way higher than these guys in the top 100, an ADP of 99.18. Golden Tate, I talked about all the guys who he was next to. You could probably guess lower than the rest. 142.53 is the ADP on Golden Tate. All of those are just since August 1st. So this is up to the minute data. This is a pretty much where you can count on these guys going in a typical draft for the next couple of weeks. And Golden Tate, 142. We're talking about the back end of a 12 of the 12th round in a 12-team league. Feels like a guy who could really step up from a wide receiver five draft slot and end up being someone who factors into your starting lineup more often than not. Another guy who we're talking about in this range, a little bit deeper if we're being completely honest, is Josh Reynolds, the consistent wide receiver three working ahead of Van Jefferson for the Rams. I don't know if that does anything in the fantasy world, number one. I think Van Jefferson is the guy who you want to bet on being the wide receiver three. Number two, with the healthy Gerald Everett and an emerging Tyler Higbee, probably going to see a little bit more 12 personnel from the Rams than we have seen in recent seasons. Andrews Pete, great offensive lineman for the New Orleans Saints. He suffered a broken thumb on Tuesday. Good news, team does expect him to be ready for week one. Hand could be in a cast, but probably not going to miss any time. Steven Sims running with the ones in Washington camp. That is very good news for a guy who is starting to get a little bit of buzz going as one of the better late round wide receivers to target. Of course, that depth chart is a mess behind Terry McLaurin. So Steven Sims could end up being a very cheap wide receiver too along the lines of an Alan Lazard. Lazard certainly going to get a whole lot more attention being the number two in Green Bay attached to Aaron Rodgers. Mark Cabali, our Steelers reporter, uh, from Steelers camp saying that Ben Roethlisberger looked to be short-arming throws, said the velocity on the throws was good, but seemed to be short-arming throws, said that his throwing motion was akin to Phillip Rivers. And while that works for Phillip Rivers, that is not the Roethlisberger that we have come to know over the last 15 years in the NFL. My question for you, DVR, is are we just assuming too strongly that Roethlisberger is healthy to start this 2020 season? I might be doing that. I think this is something that's worth watching. I think anytime you're talking about a player coming back from elbow or shoulder surgery, there is a trust factor in really just letting it rip, right? So I, I wonder how much of this is mental for Ben Roethlisberger, and I wonder if we move further along in camp, is he going to get to the point where he's thinking less about his arm and just doing the things he used to do? Like It's a, a yellow flag rather than a red flag because... Mm -hmm. 
I was kind of penciling this offense in as one that would get back to Roethlisberger like 2018 levels, and that certainly impacts the value of Juju Smith-Schuster. I think it boosts the value of the backfield. Like they score more with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. That should be fairly obvious. A good quarterback elevates everybody in this particular offense. Uh, so for now, I don't think there's anything actionable here, but I do want to see if this becomes a pattern. If we get you know, a week or two away from week one and these reports are consistent, in that case, I'd probably start to shy away from Roethlisberger as one of those targets kind of in the QB 10 to 16 range. He's often one of those fallback options if you say, well, I'm going to wait at quarterback. I'm going to get one of the old boring guys. He's become old and boring in part because of the major injury that he's coming back from. I think there are enough other guys like him where it's easy enough to avoid it if you don't like what you see as we move closer to the season. Yeah, the rubber hits the road here with Juju and James Conner. Ben Roethlisberger being drafted as the QB 17. So no one's forcing you to pay for him. That is a worthy gamble. Even if we know that his elbow isn't 100%, I think Ben Roethlisberger at QB 17 is fine. It is when you try, have to start thinking about taking Juju, have to start to think about taking James Conner at their prices, that a compromised Ben Roethlisberger could get a little bit dicey for the time being. However, I am still in on those guys. We know what this offense can be when Roethlisberger is healthy. And what Kabali told us wasn't necessarily bad, just maybe something to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks. One more thing to hit on really quick before we wrap things up. Mark Andrews expected to get more snaps this season. Of course, Andrews had a breakout 2019, led the Ravens in all pertinent receiving categories, including those 10 touchdowns, but played just 41% of the snaps. Part of that had to do with his own health. He was dealing with a back injury seemingly all season. A guy who would be questionable all week, would barely practice, and then would suit up on Sundays. And then part of that had to do with the fact that Hayden Hurst was still there in Baltimore. Hurst now in Atlanta. Mark Andrews, the clear go-to guy at the tight end position. 41% of the snaps DVR, and he was still able to do what he did. Imagine what he could do if he just doubles that and is playing four out of every five snaps. Yeah, you look at the target share he got, though, that was high. Even though he wasn't on the field a right. lot, when he was out there, he That's was a, a point. big vocal point for them. Air yards per game off the charts, averaged up the target really good, too, for a tight end. So you, you, he ticks all the boxes. I think it is just a matter of health. Hurst being gone opens up more opportunities. I think the only thing that I was worried about with Mark Andrews was that week-to-week inconsistency. He had a handful of games in the second half of last season where he was only targeted three or four times. And if he didn't score in those games, then you're obviously disappointed in terms of volume and, and yardage. I don't think that's as much of a concern, though, with one fewer tight end there. They get multiple tight ends on the field a lot in that Ravens offense. So I think all signs are, are up for Andrews. This is just sort of gravity as it pertains to <laughs> how they wanted to use him last year and simply mm -hmm. couldn't because of those ailments. Yeah, and I don't think it changes his draft status. Maybe it makes you feel better about using an ADP of 49.29 on him, but you're not going to really move him up much higher than that, right? As good as Mark Andrews is, we're not supposed to be talking about him as a top 35 or a top 40 guy. So maybe you just feel better about taking him alongside guys like Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, and Cortland Sutton. You're probably not going to bump him up into, say, Juju, DJ Moore, Chris Carson, Cooper Cup territory. That would be about a round earlier, but still good news for Mark Andrews. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football 
in 15. You know the deal. Rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate it. And we still have an active 40% off deal at theathletic.com slash football in 15. Get yourself 40% off the best sports writing, the best sports podcasting, the best sports news organization out there for your first year. For DVR, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening and have a great day.